All right, that's a blast. There's a lot more babies on the way. Cornerstone's a happy place. A lot of ladies are pregnant, so I'm going to keep doing this. What a gift, though, right? Life is a gift, and um, just glad that this is a church that will uh, celebrate life at every level, and we'll take these little kids, and they'll be put in a great environment through elementary school, middle school, and high school, and even into adulthood. We just feel like there's just a lot of care and attention that needs to be poured into someone's life, and a church does it together, and it's the best way for a kid to grow up, and so you all get to be a part of that, and thank you for praying today. All right, I want to jump into my message. Um, if you haven't been with us this the start of this year, we uh, have been in a series called Wayfinder. It's a series dedicated to the subject of prayer. And each week we are uh, presenting or teaching on a, a different way of using prayer in our life to navigate those uncertain times. We often use the, the metaphor of a wilderness here at Cornerstone to describe our lives. Like a wilderness, we, uh, we often don't know the way through the next moment in our life or the decisions that are in front of us. We call a wilderness a wilderness because it hasn't been tamed and no one knows the way. And so we have these, these moments in our life where we need guidance and we need to find our way through these, these times. And God uses prayer and different ways of praying to help lead us. And so we're presenting each, uh, d- different ideas each week uh, along those lines. And this is what we want you to think of when you think of prayer. We want you to first think of loving union. Prayer is about being with God. It's about enjoying God. It's about experiencing uh, connection with him. Prayer certainly is more than communication. It's not less. It certainly is listening and talking to God. But it's about being with him and connecting. I mean, if you just find a quiet place and you, f- you notice that you're in the presence of God and you invite him to be a part of your day and you just enjoy being with him, that is prayer. But prayer is also rejoicing with the Lord, and it's, it's thanking God, it's being grateful, but it can also be lamenting and crying out to God. And all of those things are welcome, because it is about loving union with a God who loves us and is with us. Now, the primary purpose of prayer is always to push forward the purposes of God, and specifically the purposes of God in our own life. God is always forming us. So, you know, uh, one of the things I, I've told my, my sons over the years is, you may not know, always know what to do, but you always know the type of person that God wants you to be. See, God's always trying to work in your life to make you into a certain person in the image of Jesus. In one of my favorite books by Richard Foster, who, by the way, uh, is, is an amazing Quaker minister, I should describe him this way. He's a hippie Quaker minister. And uh, it's just ironic that he's one of my favorite authors on the subject of prayer. But in his book, Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, he says this, the primary purpose of prayer is to bring us into such a life of communion with the Father that by the power of the Spirit, we are increasingly conformed to the image of his Son. I just like it. It's a process increasingly being conformed into his image. And so that's what prayer is ultimately doing at all of these moments. Now, the type of prayer that I want to introduce you today to is what we call the prayer of preparation, or you can think of it as the prayer of consecration. Now, I know consecration is one of those big churchy words that no one really knows what what it means. I'm going to describe it to you in a moment. But really, you just need to think of it this way. It's the prayer of preparation. God is present in our life, and he wants to prepare us for the things that are ahead, the tasks tomorrow, the big moments next week, the seasons of life 
that we know are coming in the seasons of life that a lot of times surprise us. And he wants to prepare us for the roles and the callings that he's put in our life. God cares about all of those things. And the prayer preparation is a time where God gets into us and gets us ready for those moments. It's an intentional time, a deliberate time to allow God to form something in us that's not yet there to help us get ready. Now that term consecration uh, shows up over and over again in the Hebrew scriptures. And it's always around this idea of setting something apart, filling something, anointing something for a certain purpose. And so one example of this is in Exodus 28, 41. You can see it behind me. It says, after you put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons, he's talking to Moses. By the way, those clothes were consecrated. They were prepared. It says this, anoint and ordain them, consecrate them so that they may serve me as priests. And so anoint, ordain, set apart, consecrate. All these words are meant to work together. This is putting ourselves into God's presence and, and, and literally having him form in us and make us ready. So anoint literally means to um, be soaked or to be smeared. Or as we'll see in a moment, it means to work in to one's life. Consecration means to fill the hand of something or to fill the hand of someone. And ordain means to be set apart for a certain purpose. And so I want you, as we get started today, to just make a mental note of something in your life right now that you are anxious about, or something that you are dreading, or something you're afraid of. So it could, you could be dreading a meeting that's going to take place this week, or you could be afraid of, of a season of life that you're moving into, or you just might be anxious uh, about... Um, you know, certain things that you have in your calling, you're anxious about being a parent. I just want you to make a mental note of something like that. And I want you to hold it in your mind for the rest of this marriage, or marriage. <laughs> about to talk a lot about marriage. Talk about something that makes you anxious, right? <laughs> By the way, why is Carrie talking about the Kansas City Chiefs at Cornerstone? Man, pure evil, pure evil. But something you're anxious about, I want you to hold it in your mind because this is what I want you, the good news you get to hear today, God cares about all of it and he wants to get you ready for those moments. Uh, if you'd like to just be reminded of the messages during the week and find templates for these types of prayers, you can text preparation to the text line that you see behind me and you'll get a little devotional with some verses that we've been sending out each week. So uh, they'll leave that up there and you can text that in and get a guide this week. But God wants to help us get ready. Let me tell you a story of a time when I wasn't quite ready for something and I had to catch up with the Lord praying this prayer. 19 years ago this week, February 14th, 2004, Elise and I became parents. And we were both really, really young at the time. We were really young when we got married. I was 22. And uh, I wasn't a good husband. And uh, Elise was just a little bit better of a wife. So she wasn't very good either. And we fought all the time. And it was a very stressful time in our life. And so we thought it'd be a good idea to have a baby that first year. And so we got pregnant in our first year uh, of being married. And um, Cole came. Elise was 25. I was 23. And leading up to uh, Cole arriving, Elise was just like, 
she felt like the worst thing had happened to her, that she was now going to be a mom. She wasn't ready to be a mom. She wanted to be someday, but she, she wasn't ready to be a mom. And for nine months, she just wrestled with God about this new calling in her life. And, and I know what my wife was doing is she was, she was praying and she was asking God to get her ready. Now, I, I wasn't doing any of those things. I just thought it was going to be awesome that I was gonna have a little dude around the house to play with. And I thought to myself, how hard can this be? This is going to be a piece of cake. It's not gonna take that much time and it's not gonna take that much money. All of those things are lies. Your kids will take everything from you if you haven't experienced that yet. They will take everything from you. So I'm not nervous at all. I, I'm not asking God for help, but the night that Cole was born, we're in the hospital and uh, he's sleeping and we're trying to fall asleep, but something just was, was playing over and over again in my mind, something that the nurse had said just a few moments before. She said, when you guys leave here in a couple days, and I thought, leave here? And then it just struck me with the enormity of the task of keeping another person alive. And I was filled with fear and anxiety. And for the first time in my life, I actually had um, an anxiety attack right there in the hospital. It was the first one I had ever experienced in my life. And I, was, I had all the things going through my head. I can't do this. Time to run. But I was afraid of my wife, so I wasn't gonna run. So I was there. But all these things are going on. And I don't know if you do this, but do you negotiate with yourself in your, head, your own head? So I'm, I'm there saying, I can't do this. How did this happen? And I'm thinking, well, I know how this happened. It did happen. And, um, and I'm telling myself, I, I need to figure it out. And uh, I'll just tell you how my, my sick brain works. I was sitting there thinking, there's no way that I could possibly take care of another human. I'm not ready for this. But then I thought to myself, there are people <laughs> less equipped than me that have cared for children. And my actual words that I told myself are, there are stupider people than me that have kept kids alive. <laughs> that helped a little bit. But here's what helped a lot. I just started praying. I said, God, <laughs> I need your help. I don't know what it means to be a dad. I'm terrified. Um, I don't know how to lead my family like this. And that night started a season of several months of the prayer of consecration as a father for me. Lord, help me. Help me see this purpose. Fill me. Anoint me, give me all that I need so that I might be a good dad to Cole. Usually people kind of move into those moments of life with, with some type of preparation. They understand just how big these things are. Not the Carlucci's, we just crash into life and then we catch up later on. But God was gracious to me to help me. I mean, he helped. He said, all right, we can prepare now. So I want you to think of how your week might be different if we found times to pray and to listen to the Lord. Richard Foster, in one of the lectures I heard him share long ago, he said, you know, most of us think that life is too busy to stop and pray. But he said, there's another way to think of it. Life is too important not to stop and pray. Your tasks, your relationships, your calling, the seasons you're going through. So I just wonder how a meeting would be different if we were to prepare ourselves. I wonder how an upcoming move might be different if we were ready to prepare ourselves for the losses that were going to come with that. I wonder how dealing with the struggles of our children, uh, how preparing for those types of things, we might be wiser as parents. See, God's in the middle of all those things. He wants to prepare us. Jesus was the, the best example of this. Jesus is the best example of someone who would withdraw often to go to the Lord to pray, to prepare himself. 
In Matthew chapter 3, we see a picture of this. And this actually surprises some people to think of this as a moment of prayer, but it is. In verse 13, it says this, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. So remember this scene? John's baptizing a crowd of people right there by the, by the river. Jesus comes down. But when John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me, he asks. Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. In other words, to fulfill the law. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning itself on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This is a scene of prayer. So it's not prayer that's happening while you're away alone or in a quiet place in the morning or on in a, your drive to work. This is prayer with people around. How do we know it's prayer? Because God is speaking and Jesus hears his voice. He's receiving the affirmation of a loving father. That's prayer. When, when you're walking through your day knowing that, you are living with unceasing prayer as the scripture describes. You're living that way. So Jesus is here in this moment of prayer and God is preparing him for what's ahead. Now I do want you to notice this. This amazing line, the voice from heaven said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I want you to notice that Jesus has not performed a miracle yet. He's not famous yet. There's not a crowd around him. He hasn't even been tested yet. You see, the approval of God has nothing to do with Jesus' performance or his striving. And God relates the same way to all of us. Your approval, my approval as a son and yours as a son or daughter has nothing to do with the good and bad choices that you may make. Now God cares about those things, but before you ever do anything to earn anything in our mind or to lose anything in our mind, you have his full affection and approval. There's never been a day that God has not looked at you and smiled. So this is happening here for Jesus. In this moment of prayer, God is preparing him. But this prayerful season of preparation, consecration continues. You get to chapter four, verse one. Then Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and nights, he was hungry. Isn't the Bible funny how it puts those details in there? He was hungry. What a surprise. But it's prayer. He's led by the spirit. That's prayer. He's fasting. Why do we fast? We fast to heighten our awareness to God's presence and direction in our life that we learn to depend on him more than we, we learn to depend on all other things, including food. And so Jesus is here again in a scene of prayer as he prepares for what is ahead. You see, prayer was the centerpiece of Jesus's formal and informal preparation and training. He prayed the scriptures. He prayed through temptation. He prayed God's love into his life. And he would model this over and over again when he did start his ministry. In Luke chapter five, verse six says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. That line, by the way, is repeated many times in the gospels by all four writers. I mean, he was doing it all the time. And the question is, why is Jesus withdrawing to pray? And what is it that he's praying for? Well, it's a number of things. I mean, he's praying for the world. 
He might be grieving certain losses. He's certainly praying to experience loving union with the Father. He's delighting in his friendship and his relationship with God. He's praying to to rest and recover from just this um, taxing ministry that he has. I mean, often people say to us pastors, like, it must be hard to, to just be in the middle of so many people's problems. And it's actually an honor to be able to do that, but it does take energy. Can you imagine Jesus? Everyone always wanted something from him. So he needed to rest and he needed to recover. So that's why he prayed. But he also, also went away to pray to get ready for what was next. To be consecrated for God, to be set apart, filled, anointed, resourced, ready to go. Now, if you jump three years forward in the life of Jesus, we see him praying another prayer of preparation. This was the night that he was betrayed. It happens to be the same night that he instructed us to do what we did earlier where we, we, we take the elements together. It was during that Passover Seder that he took the bread and he took the wine. He said, hey, I want you to have this tradition so that you remember me. But that same night, before he's arrested, Before his torture the next day and his crucifixion and his literal death, Jesus went into a garden to get ready and he prayed. And if you remember Gene's message on this passage from Matthew 26 a few weeks ago, it was an amazing message. What is it that Jesus is praying for? What is it that he's, what is God preparing in him? But he's wrestling with his will. It's a battle to align his will with God's will. And by the way, sometimes our will does not align with God's will, but we just trust his will and we go that direction anyway. Jesus is preparing because he's doing the ultimate preparation, which is not my will, but yours. Matthew 26, 39, going a little farther, he fell fell with his face to the ground and he prayed in anguish. My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but you will. That's preparation. I wonder what would have happened the next day if he wouldn't have found strength in preparation in his time of prayer. It's his last moments. There's so many other things that he could have done, but it's so important that he withdraws and he prays and he asks God to prepare him, to consecrate him. Let me go on a little further about consecration and anointing because this is what happens when you ask God to prepare you for different things. Consecration often is a process. It often takes time. In Exodus chapter 29, verse 35, Aaron and the priests are being consecrated. It says, do for Aaron and his sons everything I've commanded you, taking seven days to ordain or to consecrate them, to get them ready. Now, in this case, they're getting ready to be, become priests, and, and the process is seven days. There's an appropriate amount of time, an appropriate process for every task God wants to prepare you for, for every season he's leading you into, and for every um, role that he's put on your life. So in other words, an appropriate amount of preparation for the callings that he's placed on you. You, know, you might only need just a little whisper on, the, on, on your drive to work in the morning, hey God, help me with this meeting. I've gotta have that hard conversation with this person. It might be a quick prayer. But when you're getting ready to be a dad or a mom, we pray a lot, right? Help me. When you're getting ready to get married, you should pray a lot. Prepare me. So it's a process that, is, um, that, that works with whatever it is that God is calling us into. It's a deliberate season of growth. It's a deliberate season of bending our will into God's. And there's not a thing that he doesn't care about. 
So this time of year, I spend a lot of time, too much time coaching wrestling with all my boys and the teams I coach. And it, it takes a lot out of me. And it's about all I can handle is my job and the season for about three months. And often I'll get to practice and I'll just go hurrying into practice. I'll be tired. I might be irritated by something that took place that day. And I'll go in there and I'll run practice. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not a bad coach, but I'm probably not a great coach. But there are times when the Lord and the Spirit will remind me, hey, just prepare yourself for practice today. And I'll say a quiet prayer like, Lord, help me. Help me see the boys today the way that you do. And when that happens, almost without fail, he will give me some insight into one of our boys that allows me to love them. So, you know, wrestling's a stressful sport. It's physical, it's mentally stressful. And there are times that, that the boys are like extra sensitive or um, just their resilience is way down or they're defensive. And when I'm prepared, you know what the Lord will say? Say, hey, something else is going on. That's what he'll remind me of. They might have had a bad day at school. One of my wrestlers, his parents are going through a divorce. Another one has a family member that's just been put into a mental hospital. These are the things they're carrying in. So the Lord prepares you for that moment, for, pre prepares me for that moment. And I get to show up in their life with more purpose and meaning. God cares about all of it. The moments, the seasons, the roles. You know, we, we often anticipate some of these big moments that are coming. It's amazing how much time we spend worrying about the things we can't control. We shouldn't do that. But there are things that we know that we're facing that do take, they, it takes a lot of energy out of us. And there are big moments that we want to get everything out of. A few years ago, um, I was spending some time with Cornerstone's resident world champion and Olympic bronze medalist, Jenny Simpson. I mean, it's amazing that we have someone like that here. And uh, I, in our old auditorium, she, she brought her Olympic medal one time and I held it up and I'll forever claim them, her and Jason being a part of our church, even if they ever move away, because it's good to have winners around, all right? <laughs> Not everyone agrees, but uh, it, it's, it's definitely good to have winners. But Jenny reached out and said, hey, I need some help. It was, it was the lead up to the Rio Olympics and the Olympic trials. She called me because she wanted some running advice. And, you know, by the appearance of things, I'm doing well in that area. Uh, no, she didn't. But she wanted some help with some relational challenges that she was facing with her coaches and her teammates. I mean, the environment is so competitive. It could, it would, it, at times, it's really hard to build friendships because you're competing against, the, these, in this case, these other women. Um, uh, the environment her coaches were creating was just not very healthy relationally. And this is the way she described the challenge. She says, my intense competitiveness and the influence of my coaches on, my everyday, on an everyday basis was creating an unhealthy relational dynamic. It's hard for me to build friendships. It was choking out the goodness in a lot of my relationships. I wanted to be as competitive and as intense as I needed to be, but to have a heart that was also open for others and to others. So that can be a challenge. And so we spent some time meeting, but really what it was for her, it was a season of preparation because I know that in her conversations with the Lord, God was helping her see that the way she loves people is more important than even winning this race. And she knew that, but she needed help. And so for several weeks, she wrestled with, through all of these questions, but what about, what about, but in prayer, God was shaping her and getting her ready. During that time, she started building a friendship with uh, one of her New Balance teammates. Her name is Brenda Martinez. 
And um, at the Olympic trial, something amazing happened that, that Jenny would not have experienced if she would not have allowed God to prepare her. Brenda's specialty was the 800-meter uh, race. And during that race, it was her best chance to qualify for the Olympics. There was a, a pileup. A bunch of girls fell down. She was caught up into it. She fell down, and she missed making the Olympics in her best race. I mean, devastating for an athlete. That kind of thing happens. You train your whole life, especially the, the previous four years. That kind of thing is devastating. She had also signed up to run the 1500, which happens to be Jenny's specialty. Well, during the Olympic trials, Jenny was just so hoping that she would make the team again and that this time she was hoping that Brenda would make it as well. She'd be one of the three that would make it. Jenny ended up winning the race, and this is what Jenny described as great joy for her. As Brenda dove across the line, she took the third spot, and she made the Olympic team. Jenny said this, I won the Olympic trials making my third team. A huge deal, but Brenda was the whole show. I was genuinely so happy for her. She made her only Olympics that day. During that time leading up to the, the trials, God had stretched my heart and he was getting me ready for a joy that would come and delighting in other people's accomplishments. So here's a couple pictures. So that's Jenny telling Brenda she took third and made the Olympic team. It is amazing, it's special. It's amazing what God wants to do. Share a moment with someone, get the most out of something special. God wants to prepare us. Here's another example of uh, something you might want to prepare yourself for, different seasons of life. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time helping young people get ready for adulthood. But we don't have help adults get ready for older adulthood very well. It's actually a sad thing. The reason that I'm interested in this is I do a lot of reading about men's issues and what's taking place with men in our country. And I've ran across different studies at different times about how men really, really struggle when they retire. And now this can happen to women as well, but overwhelmingly men really struggle when they retire because in most cases, if they had children, the kids are out of the house, they're now leaving the job. And so the things that gave them meaning and purpose and the things that they built their identity on are now gone. And men don't do well under those circumstances. Certain studies by Harvard medical fields have found that men carry so much stress around this kind of trying to re-identify themselves and replace them in the world without work. They carry so much stress that it resembles being overworked. So their, their work is less, but their stress is high. They're going through a different season of life, and it's a special season. It's marked with different things. Of course, there, it's an increased season of loss, but it's a season of significance. It's a season of legacy, it's a season of, of passing on just so many things to the next generation. Such an incredible gift to the world to have, to have older people who are acting like sages. That's an incredible gift. It's a special time. But it's hard for people to move into that season. And it's not just men. Women go through the same thing. Sometimes it happens earlier when kids leave the home. And a lot of times people are hijacked by the emotions that come through these new seasons. God wants to help us get ready for those things. I mean, I think it'd be wise if you know retirement is coming that, I mean, you, you spend a year preparing for it with the Lord. 
You let God give you a new direction. You let God reaffirm who you are. You let God kind of shake away all those false foundations that you built up in your life because of your work or because of your kids or because of the perfect family. You let God replace all those things with something that's more true and more lasting. So those are the things we prepare for and God cares about all of them. We consecrate ourselves to be parents. We consecrate ourselves to run a race. We consecrate ourselves as we move into older adulthood. It all matters. One thing I'm really proud of of the young people in our churches is most of the young people, when they're getting married, they go through some form of premarital counseling. We have lots of pastors that, that, that meet with couples and, and, and many counselors that do as well. And it's usually, you know, five or six week, um, takes five or six weeks to go through that whole process. And when Elise and I meet with couples, we ask them on one of the first two weeks, we ask, the, ask them to do this as a homework assignment. We say, we want you to go home, and for the next week, we want you to pray, and we want you to ask God to show you an area of your life that you need to prepare so that you can be ready to be a good husband or a good wife. Because <clears throat> everyone always says the, you know, the obvious things. We need to learn how to communicate. We need to be able to talk about money. We need to be able to talk about sex. Everyone knows that. But there are other things that people need to prepare for. And it's amazing, those that really go away and they listen to the Lord and they pray, the insights they come back with, this is what God showed me. You say, all right, it's the time of preparation. And then we remind them of this, that prayer that you prayed the last week, that's the type of prayer you need to pray over and over and over again throughout your marriage. God cares about the seasons, he cares about the moments, he cares about the calling. Over the years, different people have used simple prayers to help get themselves ready for certain moments. John Wesley would pray this prayer of consecration on a daily basis. So it didn't matter what season he was in, what task he was going through, he would pray this to align himself and to fill himself with the truth and the love and the beauty of God. He said, O Lord, may nothing dwell in my soul but your pure love alone. Till my every thought, word, and act be love. Yes, Lord, may your love possess me whole. You're my joy, my treasure, and my crown. That prayer might not mean a lot to you, but it meant a lot to him. It was a way of preparing for the day. And so he would find those things. All right, I wanna give you one last image of what happens during the prayer of preparation or the prayer of consecration. Um, and then we're gonna, we're gonna close with worship. So worship team, you guys can come, come on up. So I, I stumbled upon this verse in Isaiah chapter 21, verse five, you can put it up behind me. This, this past fall, we were teaching on a series here on the book of 2 Corinthians, and we were teaching through a passage where it was talking about that we have been anointed. So I was explaining that. And, you know, as we mentioned earlier, anointing means to cover or to smear. When Jesus was baptized, he was anointed with water, but he was also anointed with the Spirit. But this passage got my attention because it gives us a different picture that I actually think is more helpful when thinking about anointing. It's a picture of actually working something into you. And so in Isaiah chapter 21, verse five, uh, this passage is about soldiers and they're getting ready for battle. So they set the tables, they spread the rugs, they eat, they drink. That's what you need to do to be strong and ready for battle. And then it says this, get up you officers, oil, that's what you see behind you, oil the shields. But that word for oil is not the word oil. It's the Hebrew word for anoint. Anoint the shields. In other words, you need to get up and you need to sharpen your sword. You need, you need to get good sleep. You need to be strong. But you know what else you need to do? You need to ready your shield. And to ready your shield back in those days, you can show them this picture, that they would 
take their leather shields and they would anoint them with oil. They would rub the oil in. They would work it in to the shield. And when the shield was anointed, it was softer, okay, which meant it could form around the soldier's arm. It was more flexible, but it was also stronger and more able to, to defend uh, that soldier from, from an attack from a sword or a spear. So it's amazing. It would get softer and stronger, which is an amazing picture of what God does to our hearts. He keeps our hearts soft for him and for others, even when we've been hurt, but he makes us strong. Get up, make ready for battle. Sharpen your swords, get your shields ready, anoint the shield. You know what it's a picture of? It's how we get ready. When we pray, we are working the spirit into us. We are working God's wisdom into us. We are working his power, his perspective, his patience, his ability to see someone and to see what's really going on behind the behavior. We work his courage into us. That's what anointing means. You have been anointed and you are being anointed when we pray and we say, God, fill me, fill my hand, consecrate me. Set me apart, give me purpose, but Lord, anoint me. Work it in so that I might be ready. That's the point. God gets us ready for the things that we know are coming and for the things that we don't know are coming. Get up. Anoint your shield. Anoint your heart. It's amazing what he can do. Prayer preparation is an incredible gift. And he's given us a way to navigate the future. Let me mention one last thing, because this is what we experience today, and I know that many of you do this. Uh, praying the prayer preparation or consecration on other people is a way to bless them. You know, you can bless people in a number of different ways. Words from the Lord, speaking things that are true about them. But a lot of times, you know what we do? We pray for one another that they'll be ready, Right? Ephesians chapter three, verse 14 is an example of this. Paul is praying for the Ephesian church that they would be ready. So you can pray this prayer for others. It says this, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through the spirit in your inner being. It sounds like anointing, working it in so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. By the way, you know, this is a prayer that Aaron, Pastor Aaron prays for you all the time one of his favorite prayers. He blesses, with you, blesses you with that all the time. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how, how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of, of Christ and to know his love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. He's describing consecration and anointing here. It's what he's praying for. You can pray that for other people. And what it does, it gets us ready to take God's purposes further. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than, we, than all we can imagine, ask or imagine according to his power that has at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Messiah Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. It's an amazing prayer. Pray this prayer for the people in your life. Parents, bless your kids with this.
so the Carlucci's are going through a different season. So it's a tough one. Our oldest son is away. We're not used to it yet. It's still hard. When we took him to school, the day that we were getting ready to leave, we left our hotel. He, he wanted to stay in the hotel with us, not in his apartment. But we took him to his, his apartment that day and said, we just knew like, we just gotta get out of here. We can't drag this on any longer. And so we went into his apartment and um, t- his two younger brothers were there. Two of his younger brothers were there and Elise and I, and we prayed. And you know what we prayed for Cole? We blessed him with preparation. We asked that God would consecrate his heart and his mind for a great semester, for wise choices, for hard work, for friends, for all those things. That's what we blessed him with. And then we left. That was one of the hardest things we've ever done, but I was, so, I was just so grateful that we could bless him with yet another gift. And I knew that God would work in his life because God is preparing him and he's preparing us. And so never forget that you can ask us for this for yourself, but this is a thing that you pray for others as well. All right, I wanna close with prayer and then we will worship together. Father, thank you for just the celebration today that we have a God that is with us. We're just reminded all over again that you are with us and that you care about everything. You care about every task today. You care about every task tomorrow, every moment that we'll face. You care about those big seasons of life. And you care about our roles and our calling. You care about all those things. Each one of those is very important. And Father, I pray that we'd be reminded of that and we would come to you so that you might consecrate us, anoint us, separate us, ready us for what's ahead. And so I bless Cornerstone Church today with just a heightened awareness of their need for you. Father, we pray for surprises because you have us ready. We, we just thank you for the wisdom that's gonna come because you got us ready. We thank you for the perspective that's gonna come, the patience, the love, the power that's gonna come because you got us ready. Remind us of that. We thank you that you're a God that's with us and that you're leading the way. I pray we would be reminded of it often and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.